Psychology in Seattle. So, Berto, I have a question for you. You do, huh? So, I loved season eight of Game of Thrones. So, my question for you is this Is there something wrong with me? <laughs> probably based on the online reactions. <laughs> well, probably. Like, what do you mean? Like, there's so there's actually something Clearly wrong. Clearly, you're, you're on the uh, wrong side of the fence on some level. Yeah, but does that mean there's something wrong with me? Yes, psychologically. My diagnosis is that you're officially wrong. I, am I stupid? <laughs> is it because I'm, because I don't, you know, I don't. No, know. You're, uh, you're too kind hearted. Is that what is, it is? Isn't that in the DSM? Kind-heartedness. I mean, but are you, are you serious? Because no. that's my main question for this episode. Like, is there something wrong with me that I like season eight? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I didn't, like, I have mixed feelings about season eight. I think some people reacted like the world was on fire about it, literally. <laughs> and I think there's something wrong with some people that reacted that extremely. Um, but, you know, this isn't like heroes or... You know, other kinds of disappointing endings. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have bad taste? Uh, no. <laughs> like, because you know, that's what people would say. It's like you know, you must have bad taste. No, I, I think you, you're willing to forgive a lot of things. Okay. Because I'm I'm ass- I'm assuming, and we'll discover it, but based on previous conversations, <clears throat> I'm assuming that you will find uh, that we will find agreement in some things that could have been done better or differently. But that they probably didn't bother you, or they didn't bother you that much. Or in some cases, you might have been like, but you're okay with that, right? For example, I loved Batman v Superman. Yeah. Am I stupid? No. Is there something wrong with me, functionally? Uh, <laughs> yes, but not because of that. <laughs> some people would say, you know, oh, okay, you like season eight. That must be, that must be because you don't understand something. I mean, right. these are things that have been said to me, by the way. Sure. So, is it... Do you think maybe I don't understand something? Maybe you have to read the books. Oh, wait. You read the books. Yeah. Um, And my last question before getting into this is, am I being insensitive to other people of color and to women by liking season eight? You lost me a hello on that one. (laughs) Well, that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to finally answer the question, is there something wrong with me because I like season eight? Uh, this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Casagna, and I am in the personal service industry. <laughs> For those of you on YouTube, we might actually be posting the video of this. I'm experimenting with making video episodes. It's going to be quite cool. Because we're coming up on our 11th anniversary show, which is going to be a live stream. And I thought, well, I probably should figure out how to do video. <laughs> and then I was like, well, if I figure out how to do video, maybe I'll just do it every episode. Right. So caveat here for those people who might not know this about me or you. I'm a true super fan of, of Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and of, of Fire specifically. Right. Um, I've read all the books more than once. I, I actually read George Martin other stories before I even knew about A Song of Oh, Ice okay. Fire. You've read all his other books. Well, because George, George Martin is a Dungeons & Dragons nerd. Right. It, he played Dungeons & Dragons for many years, and his stories came out from his, uh, ins, it, you know, this, his Dungeons & Dragons playing, from what I understand, inspired him writing stories. Yeah. Plus, he was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. 
Yeah. And he would submit stories to the Dungeons and Dragons magazine called Dragon. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, That's I, funny. I'm fairly sure of that. In fact, many, I don't know, a couple of decades ago or something, I read this really awesome short story in Dragon magazine that was essentially about the um, Iron Islands. It was about the drowned gods. Oh. And it was this short story about how these priests, in order to become priests, they had to be drowned and mm-hmm. then uh, you resuscitated. Know, resuscitated. And those who, there was this whole like myth and lore around who was resuscitated and who wasn't. Okay. And if if the drowned god took you, then it was your time to go. And if the drowned god sent you back, then <laughs> it was your time to spread the word. And it was wow. I, I that sounds like the duck. The weighing the witches with the duck. <laughs> and I remember really loving it. I, I, I'm not a big short story fan of Dragon Magazine, but I remember really, I'm, I, you know, all this could be wrong in my head, actually, now that I think about it, but I'm pretty sure. Anyway, bottom line, I, I was reading the books way before the TV show came out. I know that's super hipster. You're OG. I know that's super hipster of me <laughs> to say, but it's true. I, I was a huge fan. And when I heard that HBO was going to make a TV show about it, I was like, what it you know imagine you love sure. something that no one else loves right. and, and only maybe one of your friends has even heard of and all of a sudden hbo says they're going to make a tv show about so you were it. kind of surprised because yeah. it wasn't in the mainstream at all and i thought this tv show is going to be terrible because <laughs> every other show like this like xena warrior princess and you know uh wasn't there a conan tv show for a while or well there was the bar the bar the guy with what's his face kevin sorbo yeah uh, whatever that, show that, that wasn't was. conan no, that was, was uh, hercules. Uh, hercules i thought it was probably I mean, that was my template for <laughs> tv shows that try to sure. that try to depict this sort of stuff and i thought oh man this is just gonna be awful it's gonna be terrible and I remember watching it the first season and thinking, oh, okay, actually, they're they're actually sticking to the books pretty well, and it's not cheesy, and right. it's well acted, and, you know, the budget's kind of low because no one really cares about this thing. And then as the, story, as the TV show got more and more popular, I was like, wait, other people like <laughs> this sort of thing? Because right. in, today it's like, well, of course everyone loves Game of Thrones. Just think about it for a second. Like, fat, minus, you know, the years, oh, ten, yeah. 10 years ago, if you would have said that most of the TV audience in the Western world would be interested in Game of Thrones, I would have been like, that's absurd. It'd be, yeah. No, in fact, I remember I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about the author. And I sort of remember when it came out, but I didn't watch it right away. And then it started building a lot of momentum. And my neighbors across the street, we're like, oh, you got to watch Game of Thrones. Um, he had also read the books and everything. And I think I started watching it when season two was out, I think. Yeah. And then I was hooked. Yeah. So I, I say that because I don't want people to think, oh, well, he he's not a real fan. Right. He hasn't read the books. He's just a dumbass and all dumbasses like season eight. <laughs> so I feel like I have to say that. You know, I, was, I, re- I started reading the books in, I'm guessing, like 20 years ago. I think it was maybe on- Wait, only Game of Thrones was out at that he point. He wrote it that far back? He wrote, those, he wrote Game of what? Thrones, the first book, I think 25 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. That's crazy. Anyway, um, I could be wrong on that. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. 
Um, so the the thing that I'll say up front also is that art is personal, right? Taste is Very much so. is personal, and I feel like it's funny that I have to say that <laughs> in a situation like this because sure. a lot of people have been attacking me and other people online. Not a lot of people attacking me personally because I haven't. Uh-huh. No, I don't think I've said much to people, or I don't think people much care. But a lot of people, how could you like this? This is a piece of shit. <laughs> it needs to be changed. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I sort of feel like we have to start this conversation by explaining to the listeners, like, art is personal, taste is personal. Calm um, down. Yeah. Like, people can disagree. It's not like you're disagreeing about abortion rights right or episode one or something <laughs> like nothing that's serious star wars episode one yeah yeah <laughs> um where we're just you know you some people like a good steak and some people don't some people like to travel some people some people like hip-hop some people like metal some yeah. people like country some people don't some people like reality tv show shows and some people don't yeah some people are right and some people are wrong yes yeah. It's clear. Like an example that I, I thought of when I was thinking about this was that with kimchi. Kim, kimchi, if you're not familiar, is a Korean uh, fermented cabbage dish. It's an acquired taste. Uh, it's a little spicy, but it smells horrendous. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it smells like nothing else. It smells like if you took rotten socks that had been worn by, you know, uh, the center for the Seattle Seahawks for 10 seasons in a row without washing. I, I, I'm not sure. You know, it does smell bad. But to me, the worst thing I ever smelled that was food-related was... Uh, D- durian? My, my, no, durian is pretty bad. But this was my friend Shun's uh, concoction, which was the, the natto, natto with the raw egg. And it was like the... You know, slimy natto. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I came home from class one day because we were roommates in college. And I walk in and I'm like, what died? Yeah. Like, there's a dead rat in the kitchen. So, natto, (laughs) if you're not familiar and you don't have time to Google it, looks like snot. Like, when you pull it, it it has this stringy, snotty gooiness to it. It's fermented. It's it's fermented (laughs) beans. And it doesn't actually taste appealing, but... It's big to Japanese people. And it's super healthy. And uh, kimchi. So most people think kimchi smells like shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love the smell of kimchi. <laughs> I do. I, I, I love it. I, I love the taste of it. I, I, when I was a kid, I used to eat kimchi <laughs> sandwiches. That, but here's the thing. When 99.9% of people say, I hate kimchi, I don't say, you're, you're, a, bunch of, you're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> right. And... I don't think a lot of people would say to me, there must be something <laughs> wrong with you. Sure. We're just sort of used to people liking different things in, in those arenas. But when it comes to movies and TV shows, for whatever reason, that's all out the window. Right. Suddenly it's like, you don't like Breaking Bad? You betrayed our trust. You don't like The Walking Dead? Like, <laughs> I'll get these looks like... What is How wrong? How is that possible? What's wrong? How can with that you? exist in life? Yeah, like it, it, it. So that's the other thing I want to get into is not only what's wrong with me, but right. why is it so hard to accept when other people psychologically 
don't have the same opinion that you do about certain things. All right. So I've referred to all of this hatred that, you know, people are writing about Haterade. about online. And so I just thought I'd read some of the reviews. Um, here's, uh, here's are these one. professional reviews or no? Okay, so the these are individuals. Professional reviews are generally more mixed. Sure, uh, mixed to positive. Honestly, sure. they're like, yeah, it's great. You could see how they rushed it, but right. you know, good direction. You know, I guess it's hard to wrap up a story. Right, but the user reviews are generally more negative. Not entirely, which we'll yeah. get into in a second. But I just want to, in case people don't know. Okay, um, let's hear. It. The writing this season is simply inexcusable. So not I wanted to read these because these are the things that people are saying. And right. these aren't like just internet nerds. You know, the, these are – a lot of people are saying yeah. this. Um, at work, at Antioch, people know – It's all over Facebook. Yeah. At, 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 at my university, people know me for liking Game of Thrones and I, I have – Coworkers whom we've identified each other as fans, and we'll we've been talking this whole time, like what's going to happen? <laughs> and they'll come up to me and they'll be like, "Man, season eight, horrible, right?" <laughs> and I'll say, "Oh, I don't know, I liked it." Yeah. And they'll and without a de- without a variance, they will all say, "Do you know you're the first person to say that?" <laughs> what's wrong with you? Yeah. So I'm like, "What's wrong?" Anyway. The writing this season is inexcusable. No excuse. No excuse. Um, a legendary and fantastic TV series that turned into complete trash and nonsense. So did they like season seven? <laughs> so these are all different people, by yeah. the way. Uh, D&D, the showrunners, should be ashamed of the disaster they made. Shame. Shame. <laughs> this season is utter nonsense. Wow. What they did on season eight should be a crime. <laughs> Punishable by law. Like, why couldn't the Night King win? <laughs> Can you imagine if they actually show up to arrest them? Like, what's, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, I think you know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, Mad Dog 69 alerted us to your crime. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> but I, I was just writing it the way I felt it should go. <laughs> Like, why couldn't the Night King win? Um, would have been so much better than this garbage. I mean... Well, I'm sure everyone would have been happy with that ending. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, why does everything have to have a happy ending? It's pathetic. Wait. It had a happy ending? Yeah. Uh, let us force HBO to make an outstanding and new season eight by a petition. Yeah, that'll you, work. You've seen that before, right? Yep. A million signatures. So on Metacritic, do you know, like, it's like Rotten Tomatoes. It's a similar... For the season or for the finale? Uh, season. Uh, 65%. 74. Okay. So that's critics. Okay. Uh, users. 20%. 43. Oh, it's better than I thought. <laughs> All seasons. Uh, critics, 85%. Ooh, 86. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes. This season. Critics? Yeah. Uh, this season, ooh, uh, 50%. 67. Okay. So two-thirds positive yeah. reviews. Users on Rotten Tomatoes. So Rotten Tomatoes has a different yeah. sort of people. 30%. Yeah, 36%. <laughs> all, uh, all seasons. Hypercritical. Uh, from Rotten? Yeah. Uh, critics, 85 
90. 90, okay. And users? 90. 82. Okay. TV Time, which is some sort of publication, did a poll of their listeners or visitors or whatever Mm -hmm. about the finale in terms of how many... So they said, were you very satisfied with the finale? So just the finale, just the last episode. Very satisfied, pretty satisfied, somewhat satisfied, or disappointed. So what percentage do you think were very satisfied? Of just the finale. Mm, 15%. 10%, pretty close. Okay. Pretty satisfied. 25%. I would put myself in that. Where would you put yourself in the finale? Well, we're the, the middle category. Very pretty, somewhat, and disappointed. Somewhat. Okay. And what percentage somewhat? Uh, 30%. Ooh, exactly. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. And then 46% were disappointed. 46%. So, you know, that's not great, but 54% were at least somewhat satisfied, and that's not... Right. That's not the gestalt from the... No, 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 no. If you... you, Right. If you look casually online, you're like, 90% hated it. 100%. I haven't (laughs) seen... Have you seen a single post... Or a single comment by any user that is positive? Well, not necessarily. You're right. I've seen posts by friends saying, calm down, it's just a show. But that's not... Well, and I've seen someone saying like, well, it wasn't great, but overall the show was great. Stuff like that. So you're right. I haven't seen like... No one said, I loved the finale. And there are 10% 10 of people are very satisfied... 14% 14% were pretty satisfied, which is like me, yeah. uh, you, somewhat satisfied. And I would 30%. say somewhat satisfied. Plus, it's like, anyway, we'll get into some of that later. But By the way, I got in an epic drag-down debate on Facebook about the Daenerys twist. Ooh. By the way, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, actually, <laughs> we're going to do another episode just on Daenerys okay. um, after this episode. All right, perfect. So, um, now, I've... Because I have been making this podcast for 11 years and been putting myself out there more, Man. Uh, I'm interacting more with a lot more people about my opinions about different pieces of art and this right. kind of thing. And so you're exposed to more reactions. radical reactions. Yeah. Normally in the past, it's like, what's your top five movies? I'd, you know, one or two people would hear that and be like, huh, whatever. Yeah. But you put it out there and you, you get a lot of different reactions and... What I've realized is that there's this thing where when we see someone give their opinion, if it's even slightly different than our opinion of it, we only see the difference in the opinion. Yeah. We, we don't – I've seen it's we, – we tend not to see the similarities in the opinion. Right. Like I posted as an example of this, I ranked every single Beatles song – I. Th- like into categories, like yeah, my, I remember that my top favorite Beatles songs, my next to top, you know, and then the, my last category was something like, if it comes on, I'm I might skip it, right? Um, but as a caveat to the whole thing was, every Beatles song is better than every Garth Brooks song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every every oh, you just gained some hate trade. Hate every trade. every Beatles song is better than the Chainsmokers. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I. I I'm not saying that, so. My worst Beatles song is still in the top zero 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 one percent. Even number nine <laughs> preferred. Even that song preferred to me because of the significance historically sure, to sure. me. So 
I posted it on Facebook and on Reddit, by the way, because it's the Beatles Reddit right. page, of course. And everyone tore me to shreds. Wow. And all I'm doing is offering my opinion and my love. Right. I did – you know how many songs the Beatles have? <laughs> I can't remember. It's like hundreds, yeah, right? It's like 200 or something. And, and I spent all this time on it, and like all I got was shit. Right. Like someone said, oh, someone doesn't like George Harrison. Wow. And I'm like – there are many of George's songs are, but most Beatles songs are written by John and Paul for various reasons. But, but so, it's like, it, all I get is shit. And it's like, presumably if you subscribe to the Beatles subreddit or you're reading the posts on Facebook or even know who the Beatles are, there's got to be some overlap there, right? right. Y- it can't be all just like, what in the world? Plus, it's my fucking taste. You know, I'm just sharing my taste. If someone shared their taste, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, obviously your list is shit because my opinion – do you know what I'm saying? No, no. So the problem is – and I think a lot of us, most of us are guilty of this online is, uh, first of all, we're definitely smarter than the rest of the people. Well, not you and me. I mean me as in the individual talking. When, when an individual is looking online, that individual is smarter than everyone else online. Number two, uh, if you put in a lot of work, like you put in eight seasons worth of a show that cost millions and millions of dollars and cost, uh, like time-wise, cost, you know, millions of man hours and woman hours and all these things, right? Um, you are entitled to destroy it and burn it to the ground like Daenerys just because, because you're entitled, because you have opinions, and you don't give a shit about anything else than your opinions. <laughs> and look, I've, I've done this too, you know. And three, you have to be cool and ironic. So, like, that's, that's the main thing is, like, whatever you're going to say needs to be sort of, like, detached and cool and ironic. Yeah. I think that's a major factor. Yeah. It's so much easier to hate something yeah. than it is to like it, especially in public. Right. I always think back to this example when I was like nine years old, me and my best friend Tommy were listening to Pat Benatar, Hit Me With Your Best Shot, very popular song yeah. in the early 80s. And the final, and we, we actually both of us ended up becoming musicians. So I think we, at, at the age of like 10, we, we already had like minds for music. So you're blaming Pat Benatar. <laughs> and... The end of that song is, I think it's like, like it sort of ends on this like bluesy thing and then a, just a stop, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, and I said, we were listening to it, just sitting there around the, <laughs> our little tape player listening to the song and it ends. And I said to Tommy, who was older than me, by the way, and I sort of looked up to him. I said, ooh, I like the ending. He's like, I don't like the ending. And I was like, I don't like it either. <laughs> I just never forgot that because it's, it's just so – it's just a tiny little right. look into the psychology of, of me and other people. I don't people. like it either. Yeah, I don't like it either. Like you put, you put your feelings out there and then you saw some aggressive feelings that were counter to that. You're like, yeah, you know what? Never mind my feelings. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't like it either. You know, what is that? That's true. So part of the problem is that when – you know, when you, when you like something, you are putting yourself in a category of positivity, right? Like, okay, I'm, I'm, 
I mean, a positive atmosphere here. And there's nothing super... Like, you know, people make fun of Superman because of this. Like, Superman's just a goody-two-shoes Boy Scout. I think as a society, as a human society, we tend to find more mystery in, like, the darkness. And so when someone is, you know, playing a nice pop song and someone wearing all black and kind of like black eyeliner goes like, that sucks ass. Everyone looks over and like, you know what? That's cool. But why? That person is cool. Why is that cool? Like, <laughs> what is it about us that we love because we like the people darkness. who hate things? Well, but they don't hate all things. They, if, if the people on they, stage they are playing but as dark, as, but it, but by ironic definition, music. <laughs> well, but by definition, as soon as someone likes it, they hate it. That's this fair. is the depth. Definition if they get very of, big, then they're like, hipsters. "Well, I liked them ten years ago." Like the people that say, "I read George R. R. Martin before he even wrote the Game <laughs> yeah. of Thrones." Yeah, and then like, <laughs> and I've loved everything since, um, and I um, love whatever they make after this. You know, they're then they're, they're undoubtedly make other products, and well, I'll probably and, love that too. And you're absolutely so. There is this pattern, right? Game of Thrones comes out, and there's this wave initially of the early adopters, and they'll they love to brag. They'll get on Facebook or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, if you haven't already, you really should check out this show. And I'm letting you in on a little secret because I know good stuff and you don't. Right? Okay. And so then all of us jump on board. We're like, oh, this is great. Thank you. And you're, you, know, you go through a few seasons. And you know, quality fluctuates. <laughs> um, and I think that there is no possible way that you can end – uh, eight to ten year series in a way that will please everyone, right? Right. That, that's impossible. And it's like, what is the series? I mean, maybe Breaking Bad was less controversial, maybe, but almost every series I can think of, yeah. had super controversial endings. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Sopranos, the Seinfeld finale, Lost, Lost, everything, everything you can think of. Heroes, anything of consequence. Well, Heroes was shit already, but. Most shows that were really good, you know, uh, or that had a good run or whatever, even even with all that, people don't know what they want for the end because they, they're like, well, right. we want everyone to be happy. Well, well, you don't want everyone to be happy. Well, right. So I think there's a number of things there. One is this hype. So when something like – I don't know. Can you think of anything that has had bigger hype or comparable hype to Game of Thrones? I mean Star Wars, you know. Star Wars had episode that seven. kind of hype. Like episode seven, or or when seriously when episode one came out, it had a ridiculous amount of. But hype. that was a different kind of hype. It was pre-internet, so it was fair enough. It was not. It was like hype around like energy, uh, but it was. I I would venture to say it wasn't blog that, uh, and I, Reddit hype. That's but I would for sure. I would venture to say that Game of Thrones has a wider demographic than Star Wars Episode One did. Star Wars Episode One was you and me and guys. It was a lot of you. It was a lot of our age and dudes. Well, the ones complaining. I, 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 my observation yeah. is that everyone was watching Game of Thrones from all backgrounds, from all mm. classes, from all ethnicities. Well, they all weren't because it's rated R. <laughs> so you know, it's already precluding a lot of the younger audiences. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. I, Episode one, for sure, you could say, and episode but seven. But it doesn't right? matter. Your point is, it, it's not that it's the most, or it's not the most. It's huge. It's yeah, massive. Right. It's it's one of the, yeah. it's arguably one of the yeah, biggest absolutely. hyped things that have ever happened. I mean, and, winter has been coming. Yeah. And so, 
how in the world could anyone on the planet make something that could live up to that hype? Yeah, it's not going to please everyone. Well, no, no. I think that's two different things. You're saying it can't please everyone, which I think is also true. But I think also you automatically cannot – automatically you can't please 50% of people because they've built it up too much in their brain. They're like, this is the most important thing in my life right now. I, I I'm I'm waiting to have my mind blown in a way that is physically not possible, and I've and have and has literally never happened. Like to all you people who hated the end of and think it was a total disappointment, name one thing that ended well that you were just like, holy crap! Well, but this what is- a one like. And no one disagreed with you. Well, fair enough, but this is the problem because there are some people pointing like, look at Endgame. Avengers Endgame is the right way to end a huge multi-year effort. A lot of people hated Endgame. I know, but uh, <laughs> but less people than. But, well, that's know. my point. Is like, um, and and maybe maybe that's a good example. And maybe Endgame. But one of the reasons I was a little more, I wasn't as impressed with Endgame, is because I actually felt that a lot of it was colored by numbers. Good, there were good colors. There were good numbers, but a lot of it was colored by numbers. Right. Some of the stuff that I liked about this season, because there were things I didn't like, but some of the things I did like is that it wasn't actually by the book, so to speak. It was right. It a was lot of it was a little more twisty. Yeah, like, nuanced. Well, t- twists where y- you just were like, "Whoa, okay, the Night King's dead." I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect Danny to get killed. I didn't expect Bran to be the king. You know. I didn't expect sure. Tyrion to live. I didn't expect, um, you know, all these different things are things that if I was to make a prediction, that's not what I would have thought the writers would have done. Um, anyway, so another question here, Berto. Do I just love everything? Is that my problem? No, you, you hate said that a earlier. lot of things. You hate Roma. <laughs> right, exactly. There's a lot of things that I don't like that everyone else you actually likes. are very opinionated about things that you don't like right not in a mean way you just no. but you express your opinions right like heroes for example yeah. uh dexter uh i think one of the things is that because i think a lot of people will look at me and be like well he seems to like everything you know he seems he liked uh this he liked but the thing is is i don't do podcasts about things i don't like <laughs> i see so and, you usually talk about the things you like on the podcast, yeah. Two, because I'm the one who chooses what we talk right. about. Two, I will stop watching things I don't I don't care for. Right. Like, there's a reason why I'm not watching the most recent Terminator movie because <laughs> I I gave up on it. Or, Fool me once. Or Dexter, for example, loved the first season, liked the second season, started the third season, and like kind of right. petered out. Walking, That's like me and Walking Dead. Right, Walking yeah. Dead. I loved the first episode. Second through whatever episode was okay, and then it petered out, and I stopped watching. Right. So so The Walking Dead can't disappoint me because I'm not <laughs> watching it because <laughs> I don't care. It's not – it doesn't grab me. Lost, well, Lost was the same way. I stopped halfway through season three, I think. But Okay, fair enough. But, but like, you know, I, I was severely disappointed – so I would have been one of these people uh, when it came to Lost, when it came to Heroes, when it came to The Walking Dead. Um, Heroes in particular was such a drop off a cliff. 
Just from uh, season one to season two. Yeah, right? even season two was already, but then season beyond three. season two was unrecognizable. It was like such a mess. It was a repetitive, like, you know, chaotic mess of a show. And Lost. Well, and time travel started right. involved, right. and the main character guy could do anything. Yeah. And then Lost had this problem where it set up such like you were saying, unbelievable expectations of what's going to be the mystery. But what we didn't know is that they weren't, they didn't really have a master plan to begin with. I knew (laughs) halfway through season three, I was like, no, no, by season three, it was evident. But when you watch the first season, yeah, it seems like, Oh, this is going to be so cool. What's the polar bear, especially for the time, because we hadn't learned. Right. And what's Walt? What's going to happen with Walt? Yeah. Right. And then it turns out, Oh, forget about it. It doesn't matter. We're just, making money here yeah um okay on on the flip side of this it are things like the sopranos where um the show was not even in quality all the seasons although i personally really do love from beginning to end but i will admit that you know it gets a little laggy in the in season four or five but it was five seasons right uh six and a half like it was like the last but but the last episode was super divisive. Right. It's to me it's the best ending of all time. It can't be bettered. Yeah. It was amazing. So if you're not familiar, uh, Sopranos was a show about a gangster. Yeah. And it was he's living in modern times and he has a family. And toward the final season, it's sort of a ramp up to danger for the lead character yeah. for Tony Soprano. You you're worrying is he going to get killed? Is he going, you know, there's there's always in the gangster world. There's always people getting killed, and everything's been crumbling around him. Right, he's yeah. losing power. There's people who hate him, uh, and you're wondering, oh boy, like, okay, we're headed toward. We know this is the final season and the final episode. Is Tony Soprano going to get killed? Yeah, uh, something bad is going to happen, and that's kind of the thing that happens in gangster stories. Is like there's all there's always tragedy and death at the end, right? Yeah, and then. Tony Soprano uh, goes into this restaurant, and it's very drawn out. It's very normal. He just he, his wife meets him. They look at the menu, and we know from tropes and movies and TV shows that whenever there's a drawn out kind of slow scene, you know something really dramatic is going to happen. Yeah. Because why would they just show you a mundane interaction between right. you know that's not even very interesting you know for for a family. So the um, uh, then you, ser- you sort of see a shady guy yep. who could be a hitman. He goes into the bathroom, and then there's a little bit, and you're like, ooh, is that guy going to come out of the bathroom and shoot Tony Soprano? And then, boom, it just goes to black. Fade to black. It doesn't fade. It goes, don't stop. Believe yeah. no, it. No, it, it's, and it's at the epic. time, at the time, the majority of vocal people hated it. Yeah. They hated it. Right. Because they had this expectation, they wanted a payoff. They wanted they ex- they had a they wanted to know the end of the story. This is dumb because like, imagine if, first of all, to me, I was blown away. I was like, oh, that's the gutsiest thing you could possibly do. It was so original. No but, one had ever but, done it. But you, and I agree totally. Yeah. But you have to admit that there was part of you that wanted to know. Sure. Was, did but he then, die? But then you know, as you as you examine it, it's like. So imagine that they had shown us yeah. him getting killed. Right. So the ending would have had to be like the family. Oh, so then you have choices like what's the ending at that point? Is it them? 
in that moment of realization that their family has crumbled? Or is it at the funeral? Or is it after the funeral? Is it the new generation coming up? Like, dude, everything you choose at that point is you've seen it before. Right. You've seen it before, and it's not going to be interesting because the climax happened way before that. Yeah, and the writer, I can't remember his name, he, the creator of the show. David, uh, yeah. Um, what is his name? Damn. It's something like, it's something catchy, like, yeah. like David Glass or something. Um, oh, my computer decides to tell me something. Um, and he, throughout the time making that show, was very frequently dancing between making a quintessential uh, audience satisfying gangster right. story while completely subverting it in a very rebellious kind of punk rocky way. He right. comes from punk rock apparently. And or he liked punk rock as a kid or something. And he uh, at the end was like, "Okay, what makes the most sense that will kind of subvert the norm and it'll be something you've never seen before but will also kind of make sense?" Right. And yeah, it's I think it's like one of the best endings but it took me probably a couple years to get used to that ending yeah. to see its genius. Like it, I right afterwards, that. I was just like, oh, okay, what? You know, okay. And then I went online, like, what does it mean? Was it, you know, tell me, please, internet, <laughs> tell me what it means. And no one had any answers. And then it, I was like, oh, okay. Because I, I kind of like things like that, you know? Yeah. Like, with, like with season eight Game of Thrones, I would have liked it personally and we'll get into the problems of season eight in a second mm -hmm. but well I'll, I'll explain well i'll explain this and then we'll go to <laughs> i would have liked it if john Tyrion, and or aria would have died sure not because i want the characters to die sure. but because to me that it seemed appropriate like john rose from the dead to do his thing and then he was killed you know he the Lord of Light brought him back for one more job mm -hmm. or a series of jobs that yeah. he had to do. And the Lord of Light was like, you got to kill Danny. Like, or, you know, that's the implication. Um, Tyrion is a tragic character. And um, it just seemed it would have been fitting if he could have. And, and Arya, for example, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword kind of a thing. Um, not because I would want them to die, but it, it, it seemed like the season, the story ended with a lot of our sacred characters mm -hmm. still, you know, not only living, but, but prospering, you know? Yeah. What did you think about that? Absolutely. Well, so personally, I, I thought, and I wanted Tyrion to end up as the person in charge. Uh, so I didn't think nor wanted him to die. Uh, but I did think... Well, I, let me put it this way. I was sure Danny and or John were both goners. Yeah, I thought they were both going to die. Once they did the thing about uh, Tormund or whatever his name is moving north and then the dog going north, I thought, oh, there is a chance he's going to end up north after this. Hmm. But, you know, and, and then as far as Arya, well, the, the puzzling thing for me about her is in season seven, she was a robot. Like a, a, a T-1000, yeah. you know? No emotion, not a, not the girl we knew. She's just a killer. 
And in season eight, she's back to being a girl. And then the more the season went by, it's like she's no longer a killer. And then she just wants to go sail the world and stuff like that. So I was like, okay. But uh, it was it was a little puzzling. So to your point, I think it would have been more epic had she died by the sword, like you're saying, like died in right. some epic final thing uh, and not necessarily killing the, the Night King or whatever. So yeah, and, and in general, I agree that a lot of characters were still breathing by the end. And, and there were things where there was definitely a lot of fan service. Ironically, it didn't pay off apparently because when they're having that little council at the end where Tyrion is giving his little speech, there were people in that council that didn't need to be there. Like you wouldn't have had both the head of Winterfell and her brother, you know, and you certainly wouldn't have had Brienne sitting there. She's just like this knight, you know? Well, I think they were implying that she was master of armies, um, whatever that title was. I think it might be master of armies and also the Kingsguard. Um, I don't know. For, uh, for, for whom? For the, for the king. So the small, the small council is, you know, these different masters. So you have, you have the Grand Maester who... Oh, they, sorry. I am talking about when Tyrion oh. was still imprisoned and they were all sitting in that little right. half moon. Right. And I'm like, why is Brienne there? Like oh. she's she's not like a a, right. a land lo- ruler. Like she's right. not right. And, and Davos for that matter. Right. Yeah. And so it was one of these like, get it? All your characters are here. Remember everyone? Right. It's like a party. But yeah, I actually yeah. had a problem that if I had had one quibble, which we'll get into later, about season eight, it was that too. Like in the battle for Winterfell, for example, and by the end of that episode, it looked like there were like a dozen people still alive. Right, and they were. All only our the main people. The main people. Like you didn't see yeah. any more right. unsullied. You didn't Death see Death Rocky were clearly wiped off. Death Rocky were gone. You didn't see any of the northern soldiers. It was right. only these uh, key people. And that was one thing about earlier. If I had a quibble about season eight, that compared to earlier seasons was in the earlier seasons there were a, it was more realistic in that you know you're going to have guards around. There's yeah. going to be red shirts around. You yeah. know. Like when in season one, I think, when Tyrion is on the road with Catelyn and they get attacked by some bandits. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a bunch of other random guards. Yeah. Actually, Bronn is, is one of the random guards that's there. Right. And you just get this sense like, I don't know who those guys are, but they're clearly like trying to help the Tyrion-Catelyn yeah. uh, situation. And then, you know, but in season eight, it was like they just tried to get it down to these very few individuals because they didn't want any distraction, which I thought visually looked good because you didn't have all this distraction. But realistically, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Like, like just another part of this, like when John enters the throne room at the finale and Danny's just by herself, you know what I mean? There's actually another point where before that... I think when Danny enters the throne room for the very first time, just after they take over this, the city, the very beginning of the finale, I think. And she's just by herself wandering the Red Keep. By herself. Like, there's no guards. No one has made sure there's no enemies yeah, anymore. Right. It's like, shouldn't, there should be no queen, no rational, smart queen would walk around without guards, yeah. you know? Because, who like a random, a total random person could just be like, 
well, there she is. Well, I got a knife. I'll, I'm going to kill her. You know, like for whatever reason, um, let alone not only just for protection, but also for like logistics, you know, someone coming up to her and saying, could you please sign my, you know, <laughs> my breast or whatever. You know, you got to have a retinue around you to be like, get away. Like, you know, cause that's how famous people work. You know, imagine <laughs> Kanye just walking through the mall. Do you know what I mean? He, right. He's got like people around him just because of annoying, you know, anyway, let's take a break and we get back. Let's continue answering the question let's as to do it. whether or not there's something wrong with me. All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast yet, do so now. Go to patreon.com. That's the way we know you like this podcast. Also, if you're interested in other Game of Thrones episodes, you can go to our website, psychologyinseattle.com, and there's a tab there that has all the Game of Thrones episodes in which I do deep dives on Sandor Clegane, Cersei, Joffrey, uh, uh, Ramsey. Theon? Do I do Theon? Um, I do a bunch. I diagnose every single character. Like, I diagnose 35 characters in Game <laughs> of Thrones. Um, and so go to our website and check that out. Okay. So um, let's ask. So I have some more questions for you, Birdo. Sweet. Um, was it sexist or racist? The, the finale? The season eight. Okay, so I, I, I let me see if I can rationalize my way through this. So the sexist bit could be, ah, I see. So you built up all these potential women heroes and then you threw them away just to keep the patriarchy going, for example. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, but A, Sansa is the queen of the north. Yeah. Um, the one, the hero who killed the Night King and is now free to wander and discover the new world, is Arya. Yeah. Uh, Brienne of Tarth is now a knight, and is like probably the second most powerful person in the North. She's not in the North. Brienne? Yeah. Oh, I guess she's not in the North. You're right. Sorry. But she's a powerful person in the council now. Okay, fine. Well, she's, I've, from the looks of it, the leader of the Kingsguard, which yeah. is a yeah. very important role. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so there there are plenty, you know, but I, I suppose someone said, yeah, but the two villains at the end were both women, Cersei and Danny. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but one could also say that's sort of feminist, too, because it's allowing uh, powerful women characters to be fully fleshed out. Yeah, and- but they could say, oh, yeah, but then you're what you're saying is if a woman gains power, she's going to go crazy and right. So that's the other part kill is- everyone that I'm glad you brought up is that, which people are saying, they're saying like, this is awful towards women because it makes Danny look like, oh, bitches be crazy, right? What about the Mad King? What about Robert Baratheon? What about every single male ruler before that? We'll that get was in, an asshole. <laughs> so we'll get in that whole thing in the da- yeah. Daenerys episode. But uh, yeah, those are good questions. But, you know, if I was of a particular sensitivity and watching this, um, it, it might kind of bother me. Um, and then the Brienne thing where she, you know, rises in power. She's a very powerful person. And then one of her final episodes or scenes where she's actually like really acting and doing something is 
she's crying and blubbering about Jamie leaving. Do you think that was sexist? Oh, right, that whole thing. Like you build her up and then you just have her be a jilted lover. Uh, I mean, is so it, is it more human to not be reduced to right. tears when your lover yeah. betrays you and leaves you? Right. It, I'm glad you, that's a well put. This notion that in order to be feminist, we have to make women look like robots. Like by the by the way, the bad guy in that scene is Jamie. Right. He's the one who's so fucking weak yeah. that after all of this, he can't break the chains. Right. Right. And as you said, you know, originally is so it's it's a negative thing to cry. Yeah, crying is negative. When someone you love and that you are in love with rejects you. Right. Like that makes you weak. Why did you make this strong female character cry like a little girl? Right. So I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, well, what's so wrong? One, what's wrong with crying? Two, uh, it makes sense. I mean, that, that whole story with Brienne, she was in love with him. Yeah. And it, that was clear from season two-ish. I think it was season two when they met, maybe three. Yeah. But- Early, yeah, and and we all knew Jamie didn't. He wasn't in love with Brienne. <laughs> you know what I mean. He respected her right. a great deal, and liked her enough, but not as much as he was right. in love with his sister. So, listen. If you want more on that whole relationship of Cersei and and Jamie, listen to my deep dive on on Cersei because in the books. They go into a lot more of that history, going back to when they were twins, as at the age of three, and they were living in the same, and they were sleeping in the same bed, and yeah. they would experiment sexually with each other, as some siblings do. And then their parents are away; their mom dies. It, it's just the two of them. And then Tyrion, you know, Tyrion comes along, and kill, quote unquote, kills their mom. And there's a lot of reasons why Cersei and Jaime were propelled towards right. each other, and and. Um, and anyway, and so. that was a lifelong bond. Yeah, and clearly he was still attached to it. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people didn't like that because, uh, t- and to me, I'm like, well, that's that's very George Martin. Well, but I also it was just so ironic, and I didn't want to say this on this one Facebook thread because I don't want it to sound insulting because there's someone I respect and blah blah. blah. But but it's weird that it's they seem these people that are complaining about these sorts of things, they seem to want to prefer like by the book Hollywood standards for story resolutions. Right. And I'm like, that's not life. And this show is a lot less like that right. from the start. Yeah, I exactly. From the start. And just take a, take a, just a three second glance at the setting. It's based on a, a version of our own history. Yeah. of Europe. And that was not it those stories didn't wrap up nicely. They wrapped up really horribly yeah. most of the time or at least ambiguously. And from the very beginning that's what Game of Thrones has been. Yeah. It's about like sometimes the good guy gets beheaded. Right. Sometimes the good guy's son who is the hero on vengeance gets killed. Gets murdered. <laughs> 
Sometimes his wife gets, you know, a knife in the belly. Yeah. You know, like, that's what happens in history. And yeah. sometimes uh, the, the, you know, um, what's his face? Baratheon, the, the middle Baratheon brother. Oh, Stannis? Stannis. Sometimes he loses against the most horrible c- character on the show, <laughs> against, against Ramsay. Ramsay prevails, yeah. you know? Um, sometimes Stannis is, sometimes good men, their armies leave them. Yeah. Uh, and so from the very beginning, it's been that way. But I think as people got married to this kind of f- hype in the end, they, 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 a lot of people got attached to particular things that right. they wanted to see happen. And I think they were all kind of particular. Because here's another thing that I've been asking people as, as they've been telling me they hated season eight. I'll say, okay, and cause I'm not arguing with people as I, I don't, that, that's, Based on a premise of silliness, I'm just more curious. Yeah, and I'll be like, "So, how would you have liked it to have ended?" And 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 what's the most common response you think I've heard? Um, let's see. They probably wanted Cersei to get a a worse death, like uh, some sort of. That's one of them, but that's not. There's there's one that's by far the most frequent response. Like John, John in charge. Like John as the rightful ruler. No, these are all good no? guesses. The most frequent response is, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. So I'm like, I can't tell you what I want, but I know I don't want that. Yeah. I'm and like, that's actually the, the most common thing humans are good at. Yeah. yeah. I hate that. Okay. How would you have liked it to have ended? I don't know. Right. Well, you know, like. Well, th- there's a reason that everyone doesn't write Game of Thrones, right? right? Because most, most of us go through life and we make choices based on what's presented. Like, oh, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to go down this road. But to invent a road is a different thing. Yeah. Now, again, you out there listening are likely one of those people who hated season eight. It is totally fine. I respect that 100%. Just like you should respect me not like, or me liking it. Um, I'm, I'm probably somewhat subtly insulting people who don't like it. Uh, it's, but that's not on purpose, and I'm going to try to check myself <laughs> because I don't want to commit the crime that I have had committed against me this whole time. Right. Well, I also... It's so weird because there are things that upset me about this season, but what, and what I found odd is that people were upset by almost everything. And I'm like, well... That's weird. There are some things that you could just more objectively say, like, look, right. it, these people, like, you and I, how, how many wars have you been in? Yeah. We haven't been in wars, right? But you probably, if you and I were about to fight, we probably wouldn't send a whole armada on horses out into the darkness to die. Like, we probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. So those are the kind of things where I'm like, yeah, I think everyone could agree, like, that seemed a little on the nose. Fine. But there's other things where I'm, I'm like, well... You know, this thing about, uh, what's his name, leaving Brienne. Uh, I'm like, well, actually, I get that you wanted a different storyline there. But someone but, wrote a story that was different than yeah. what you wanted. And and let's remember, and Jamie spells this out. By the way, I actually kind of loved that, you know, people are, these writers are so stupid. Clearly, the writers were self-aware of the choices they were making because – he even, Jamie spells out, look, I have been a bad person all my life. 
So, you know, for critics, it's like, like, oh, why would he do that? It's like, he's like, no, actually, remember who I am. I am a murderer. I'm a traitor. I'm a this. I'm a that. Now, the point of that scene was like, she had gotten over that because she had hoped that he had gotten over it. But then he was using it as an excuse for his weakness, right? But that's a complex moment. Right. That's and, a subtle, complex moment. And after that, as that scene was happening, we didn't know what he was actually going right. to do. And I was like, well, we, don't, we actually don't know what James is going to do. Like, what he said, you could interpret like, I'm evil. Or you could interpret it as just like, look, I, I'm sorry, and... I'm not the man you think I am. And people do this all the time in real life. Meaning people like this has happened to me more than once where I'm asking something of someone and they will use their failure in some way as an excuse why they're not going to help me. You know, like, listen, uh, you know, I'm I'm a mess for this reason. So I can't be there for you in this case. Right. And, And this this is a common like thing that we humans do, which is. We do, we're not fully transparent to ourselves. So to justify our actions, we use any number of rationalizations. So in that moment, instead of Jamie saying like, being honest, like, look, I'm so sorry. I've been in love with my sister all my life. And right now this is really traumatic for me and I don't know how to handle it. And I feel like the only right thing for me to do is to go south and see what I can do. Instead of saying that, and maybe even like, can you come with me? Can you maybe help me or any of that? He's like, Pain, 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 pain. Look, I'm a bad guy. I'm an asshole. You don't want me anyways. I got to go. Right. And then when he goes down there, all he's, fo- he, all he's focused on is trying to be with Cersei. Yeah. He just wants- Get her out. Get her out. He's, he wants to yeah. be with her and maybe, be, you know, just save her life and, you know, sail across an narrow sea and, and have a life like right. Tyrion wanted him to do. It's not like his character also changed to where like, I'm going to defeat the mad- tyrant queen of dragons right. and killed John and it's like yeah. he had nothing to do with any of that right he's just like I I did my knightly duty I went north I helped I served under Brienne which I felt was right and I miraculously lived through that and now what well I'm not gonna stay in the north right so, but, so, by the way it hasn't been like 10 years or something right and <laughs> okay I, I'm not gonna stay in the north um, I'm not going to fight against my sister, whom I love. Yeah. Um, I'm. I. I. So what do I? What choice do I have? Yeah. What, and I'm pretty sure Cersei's going to lose. So. Right. You know, it, it made total sense to me. But yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, Jamie, you know, he was right. supposed to be good." It's like, well, again, because to them, they saw this linear character arc of right. like he's evil. And then he gets a little better and a little better. And then he is all good. And he, you know, he's Luke Skywalker. He's Han Solo with the medal at the end of episode four. He's, that's, that's cheesy. That's yeah. not normal. Like a normal, right. a realistic story is people are complicated. The yeah. same thing with Daenerys, which we'll get into in the Daenerys episode. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah. now getting back to racism or sexism. Um, look, I get it. If you are a listener out there and thought... If, oh, I didn't get the racism part. Oh. Well, what's the racism part? Well, I've heard people of color, uh, like myself, I haven't said this, but I'm a person of color. You're a person of color. We're people of color. <laughs> anyway, I've heard other people of color saying that they felt like 
even like respected critics that the show essentially just ended with white people winning. <laughs> but the show was about white people. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Like, there were some sl- dark slaves in the East, and some of them joined to fight along the white queen. But th- the whole power structure was all the white people in charge. Right. And that, I mean, there were no Hispanics in this show. <laughs> right. So... Well, I mean, you so, could, I mean, you so, could so, argue that the uh, Doran people are Hispanic, but... At best. Like, so uh, here's one thing you could have done, to be intellectually honest, not you, but these... Like, start, rewind the clock to the beginning. Be like, I don't like this show, because even though it's based on our own human history, roughly speaking, it's perpetuating that rough human history. Yeah. So I don't like this show. I'm not going to watch it. I'm certainly not going to be there to comment when season eight comes out. Right. But if you're waiting till now to be like, this is race, it's like, well, I guess, but that's the whole story. Right. So I, I agree. But here's the thing. I get it. If you thought it was sexist or racist, like there, there are certain things that will bother me that I'm sensitive to, not because of that thing, but because of all the things that led to that thing. Like it's just one more example of something. Like when someone asks me, you know, I'm in rural America, and someone looks at my eyes, and they're like, oh, he's, he's not, you know, all white. And they say, where are you from? I'll be like, uh, Seattle. No, 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 where are you from? And it's, it's like, if I was only asked that once in my life, you know, or a handful of times, I'd be like, well, that's kind of funny. But when you're asked it, like, hundreds of times, particularly by certain kinds of people, rural America people, uh, rural Canada people too, by the way, um, and around the world. By the way, I go to Cuba. Everyone's like, "Oh, Chino, Chino," or whatever. What do they? What do they say? Really? Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, they would grab in Cuba. They would grab my, their eyes and make really. Ch- ch- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't blame them because I didn't. I, I doubt they've had classes on microaggressions. Yeah. You know, right? But so if. The next person that does that to me, which it'll happen, that one transgression isn't that bad, but I'm going to fucking go mad because it's the thousandth time it's happened. Mm. Okay. So if Game of Thrones is like just one of those straws on the camel's back, like I get it. Um, You know, like for example, Saturday Night Live has never had an Asian cast member. Come on. Never. Get out. Can you think of an Asian cast member? Yeah. No. There's a one dude. Well, so... um, Are you serious? Well, so the copy center guy is like part Filipino. Copy center? Uh, um, Deuce Bigelow or whatever that gets... Okay, this is unbelievable. So really, like there's not been a... Yeah, it's been on the air for 45, 44 seasons. There hasn't been a single Asian cast member. And... S- plenty of black people, you Hispanics? know. Have there been plenty Hispanics? of Hispanics. Really? I mean, a smattering of Hispanics. Not enough, but, you know, some. And just a oh. shit ton of white people. And you can't tell me that in a country where there are 5% of Americans are Asian American. Sure. One out of 20 Americans are fucking Asians. And that probably doesn't include people, oh, my cat wants to join in. <laughs> um, my cat's actually from the Middle East. It's, she's from Lebanon. Uh, yeah, Beirut. 
Um, and uh, so you empathize. So I I can empathize. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and so some people will be like, well, you know, there aren't any uh, there aren't any funny Asian people. Well, okay. Uh, Joe Coy. Do you know Joe Coy? He's hilarious. I don't know it. Uh, Ken Jung from Community. You know him. Yeah. Ali Wong. Have you have you seen her stand up? specials on Netflix? I I haven't, but I don't know comedian names, unfortunately. Well, Ali Wong is hilarious. Margaret Cho, you know Margaret Cho. I've heard of Margaret Cho. Uh, Bobby Lee from Mad TV. Oh, I like Bobby Lee. Yeah. Jimmy Yang from Silicon Valley. Oh, I like Jimmy Yang. Yeah. And and the list goes on and on. There's there's plenty of, and you know, how many people heard of the cast members of SNL before they became cast members? Right. Most cast members... They became famous because of this. Right. Yeah. So there's a vast sea of Asians out there that are not famous, that are funny as yeah. hell, and can do impressions, and can do skits, and can do stand-up, that have probably tried out for SNL, right. and guess what? They have it. Now, um, so when I, I love SNL, I'm like, I actually like the current... I've liked the current seasons, you know? And um, every time I watch it, I'm like... And and they'll do a scene where they need an Asian person, and I just see like like they they'll either get a random extra, like some random right. they'll just hire a random Asian person, or one of the cast members will just look Asian. Oh man! And I'm like, if you just had you know a ima- so just imagine just going down this route because I want right. to imagine during the Obama years mm-hmm. they have no black cast member. And they want to do skits. With, <laughs> and they want to do Obama. They want to do Obama. Right. And they get like, you know, that guy, that guy who always does all the presidents, you know, he did um, Gore and he did Trump actually for a while. I can't remember his name. Um, he actually suffers from major depression, that guy. Um, but imagine if he, they just dressed him up. Or Blackface. They, or they just got a random black person right. and that's all he did. Wouldn't, as a country, you'd be like, you well, can't hire one. You can't find a single black <laughs> funny person for SNL. Like, what's going on here? Right. Well, of course they didn't because they did hire funny black people right. for SNL, but no Asians. Anyway, so I get it. If there was something about even season eight that sort of bugged you, it, I'm guessing it was like one of those last straws that just got to you. And, sure. you know, I get it. So here's another reason why I think that makes me like certain things that I stick with. Because, you know, once I commit to something, then I'm sort of, like, committed, you know? Like, sure. with Game of Thrones, if it got bad season five, I probably just would have stopped watching in all likelihood. Um, and uh, so once I commit to it, it's like, well... Because as I was watching season eight, I was hearing all the tweets and everything, and I just found myself, as I was watching the shows, just kind of, like, turning off all that critical, you know, voices. Because I could have criticized it and, and sure. like picked it apart as we were watching but i i just found myself just giving myself over to the show and just enjoying it what about you yeah i I mean i i did something similar the there were two things that were tugging at me one of them is that it did feel rushed i i I was confused why they were trying to wrap it up in only six episodes and that was definitely bugging me um (laughs) Kirk is uh, uh, trying to deal with the cat right now. Um, but the other thing was, wh- while I was watching the episodes, it wasn't coursing through my mind like, 
I hate this season. Let's see all the other reasons why I hate this season. I was just immersed in the storytelling. And I got to say, there were, on the whole, more positive. That's why I said I somewhat, whatever I said, somewhat somewhat satisfied. satisfied Because there were more positives than negatives. Yeah. Uh, There are things that I absolutely would have done differently. And some of them would have had to gotten, would have had to be fixed way back to start with. Like Brand's story arc, you would have had to go all the way back to the beginning. And I think, you know, one of the issues is I don't think the showrunners had any idea that this was an arc about Bran or something. I think Bran was always sort of like the secondary character for them because they wouldn't have had a whole season without him in it had they really known where it was going to end up. So you would have had to kind of go back and buff up that character, give him way more lines, give him more to do, and like really prep the road, and especially this last season. So, so there's stuff like that. that. George Martin told them that Bran was going to be king? What I'm saying is there's no way he did, and that's why they didn't know to make him important enough Wait, the rest what? of the... Start over? I'm saying there's no way he told him that because I don't know if he knew or not. But George Martin? Yeah. George Martin knows how this story ends. Well, by now he does. I don't know if he knew eight years ago. Oh, I suspect and, he did. Well, even if he did, I doubt he but told But he might them. not have told him, yeah. I, I, so what I'm that's tra- what you're saying... saying that's, so you're yeah. saying that the, the makers of the show didn't know that Brown was going to be king. Probably. As an example, until they were making season... Seven and eight. Seven and eight, probably. And that's when George sat him down and said, this is how it ends. Probably. But even then, I, I, I still think, and I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know where the blame is. I think they were trying to serve two masters with Bran. One was this like, hey, we got to really sell this idea of the detached three-eyed raven that's like above this world. Oh, but then we're going to have to make him kind of relatable at the last minute. Yeah, and I actually, think that failed. I, I think that's true. Like, I hadn't thought about that critique, but... If I would have done something different, especially with season eight, would be to completely rewrite Bran, um, not completely, but at least somewhat, to make him a little bit more human. Because when Tyrion volunteered him to be king, I was like, he's a... He's not human anymore. He's like some... He's like a spirit, you know, living in a human body. He he can't function as a king. Like, (laughs) he's not connected to the world. Right. Um, So... If you would have rewritten season eight, you could have just added a little bit more humanness, right? And maybe a little bit more agency too, because yeah. he seems so passive, right? Well, and 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 there were contradictory lines like, "Oh, I don't care about this world anymore." I'm right. just gonna, and then, but then at the last episode, he's like, "Why, Why do you think I... I travel all this?" Way? I'm like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're eating your cake and your ice cream, right? Um, right. But 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 my point with that whole diatribe was that. Uh, yeah, like, you know, there there are absolutely things that can be different. But I wasn't sitting there scene by scene like, oh, there's an oh, there's a pop can. Oh, there's a coffee cup. Oh, this show sucks so much. Right. right. It was like I wasn't immersed in the story. Right. So I think there's a lot of factors that we haven't gotten to that I think might differentiate us from other people in this way. One is, is that you and I are creative people in that we like to create things. Right. We're musicians. We've created other things, you know. But at our jobs, we, we like to... it. We don't like to do what other people tell us to do. We like to create our own things, right. you know. And, I mean, from a very early age, I was at the age of, like, you know, eight or nine, I would, like... It's funny. I don't think I've ever recognized this, but 
Tommy, my friend, when I was like eight or nine, we had a tape cassette player with a microphone on the front. You know, it was just like a little cassette thing. And we would record ourselves talking. Oh. The two of us. Like, I even have a cassette of our really high-pitched <laughs> voices. Um, like, he's he he recites the lyrics to Devil Went Down to Georgia. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. But so, you know... Now, a lot of kids do that. But my point is, is that I really appreciate creative people, right? like the people who create Game of Thrones. When I'm watching the TV show, there's actually a part of me, and really anything that I'm handing myself over to, I, I am like, oh, wow, like the creators, the writers, the producers, the, you know, the budget people, the accounting, the actors, the directors, they, what, a, what a great thing that they did. You know, when I go to a play... At a playhouse, yeah, you, it's so apparent the hard work that has gone into making this thing happen for this audience, right? You have you can see the actors. Maybe sometimes the director comes out. Uh, you can see the pulleys. You can see the sets. You're like, whoa! Like someone had to make all this stuff, and it's more visceral. And, and I think we tend to, when we can empathize with that effort, we forgive a little bit. Like if a set doesn't look perfect, you're like, well. Someone had to make that, and they have to strike this whole thing down next month, and they have to create a whole new set for the next thing. You know, right. you, you, you understand that. Well, when I watch TV and movies, it's the same. Right. Like, I'm watching something. I'm like, those people had limited time, limited budget, limited skill, and the coordination. And, you know, right. the, well, the- absolutely. And, and here's the thing. I, when I criticize something like episode one, it is in a of, different of, category of Star, of Star Wars. It is in a different category because I, I do think a lot of my criticisms were directly about the story that he, George Lucas, wrote, and he was in charge of the script for his own story, right? So I'm like, I can still appreciate, you know, all everything he did for the world and everything, but I, I specifically have problems with the, the thing he wrote down that then became the script that then became that movie. Um there is a big difference here. The, these guys, first of all, are adapting material, right? But second, this is not a movie. This is like, how many episodes each season? This is like movie after movie after movie after movie, right? And so I was thinking about this the other day. It's, I think a lot of us might have this impression like you get to film the whole thing and you get to watch it and then you're like, oh, that didn't work. Okay. We're reshooting the whole first half. We're changing the it's like when that has to happen, that is a disaster. Yeah, the analogy actually I have for this <laughs> is when I'm writing technical clinical pieces, right, that are ten pages long. It's so much easier for me to create flow and a cohesion than, for example, my book on supervision, which actually wasn't even that long it's only like 120 pages or something it when i was writing that book when i got to the phase where i had to make it all kind of fit logically together and have it have there be a theme and a transition from section to section it was so hard to do so proof to the point because like you know let's say you and i write a song yeah okay well we wrote it we record it we can listen to it we're like that bridge doesn't work. Well, right? so, uh, <laughs> I mean, analogy to that is 
you and I actually sat down to write a continuous song. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like the you know side B of Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, we're two musical geniuses, (laughs) if you will, and we're both production. We know how to do production. We know how to program keyboards and drums, and you know we can we we can write stuff and what. What our plan was was we were gonna write this song, this like hour long song that never ended, but a like transition to different movements and stuff. And we kinda got a ways into it. Yeah, we got like five iterations, I think. Yeah, like like yeah. maybe like ten minutes in. And I, I remember thinking like this is getting kind of weird. Um and then it petered out because yeah. it's just so much work. But it, anyway. It's hard. Yeah. But my but then to bring it back to this, so it is quite possible that had the writers, David and David, whatever, if, or the two Davids, is it? Both David yeah. Benioff and David. If Jones. they had written the whole eighth season, season eight, filmed it all, sat there and watched it and critiqued it and had the time, budget and effort and all the actors and actresses and be like, all right, uh, this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. Nine more months. We're going to reshoot. But that's not how it works. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's a good point. But- what I will say is that I think that one of the problems that this is just me speculating that caused the season eight and season seven, but more season eight to seem a little disjointed, even from episode to episode was because of two things. One is, is that I think early on they realized how much attention and accolades they got for those big epic episodes. Mm-hmm. Like the first, the first one, sure. the first big epic, epic episode. I I made a list here, was the Blackwater episode in season two. Like the, I think that whole episode was just the siege of King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Different, you know, rooms. You have the Cersei with the poison, and you yeah, have Sansa, and you have Tyrion, and you you know, there's all these different things happening. Um, and and then the but the big one was the battle for Castle Black, right? In, in season four. Whole episode. It was, I remember, wait, the penultimate episode of season four, the whole episode is just a battle of Castle Black. How right. awesome is that? And there wasn't any hatred. There, right. was, there wasn't a single criticism of that right. episode. You know, Egret dies. Uh, right. You know, it's just this epic, you know, oh, so great. And I think they kind of were intoxicated by that. They did it again with Hard Home in season five. Right. Again, I think it's the penultimate episode. And uh, again, accolades. Oh, it was awesome. You know, the Night King, right? Oh, it's so crazy. And then again, penultimate episode, season six, Battle of the Bastards. Again, everyone, what a great episode. It was, it was you know, it, yeah. it's accurate and da-da-da. It was like all the, you know, why didn't, um, uh, you know, Rick on zigzag, I don't know, but um, he didn't. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so I think that was one thing. I think they started, and then you can clearly see that in season uh, seven and eight, they wanted to make episodes that were epic. You know, they they wanted episodes. You know, the battle for Winterfell, yeah. uh, the battle at King's Landing. They wanted just like these mammoth set pieces and, you know, blah, blah. So I think that kind of, uh, and I think they went too far in that direction. I think they focused too much on those individual episodes and then everything else is kind of like 
fluff and build up to it rather than previous seasons and really true to George Martin's work is that those battles are really barely talked about in the books. It's, Mm. it's much more just like um, all the intrigue and all, you know, the, the, the person like, like a lot of the battle of um, King's Landing, you know, the Blackwater, a lot of it, it is, I think it's only from Tyrion's perspective and from Sansa's perspective, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and and the uh, the buildup, because in those early seasons, there is so much that happens that are not battles. And this right. is to your point. So much happens. Lots of conversations. Like, I actually watched one of those YouTube things that, that did a review so that you could catch up before the... And I was shocked because, you know, they were going through season one, and I'm like, there's no way all of that happened in season one. You know, it's so much content. And then you get to season two, and I'm like, wait, that was all the way back in season two? All that happened in season two? So we got used to that, right? And when, at at the time, the plot was advancing, but it wasn't advancing by by leaps and bounds. It was like moving at right. a pace. And and I think in in season seven it, this happened and this people started complaining about the the teleportation problem right and then this this one was kind of like the worst of them because they actually cut scenes where before you would have seen the scene right they cut before you see the the scene and they go to the repercussions of the yeah. scene like John killing Danny and then yeah. absolutely so right so I think that they they fell in love with a certain tone of certain episodes Battle of the Bastards. Uh, battle at Black, you know, the Castle Black. And I think it, it sort of skewed their emphasis for season seven and eight. And they, uh, instead of like saying, okay, we only have this amount of budget, we only have this amount of episodes to do, yeah. you know, how do we allocate our time? And I think they were like, I want to allocate it for these epic scenes and these epic episodes, and we're going to reduce the exposition and the storytelling and to the to the to what we fell in love with, it's like, well, okay, that's cool. Those are awesome, well produced, well directed, great CGI, tense scenes. But we fell in love with Game of Thrones because of the the conversations between Olena and Varys, yeah. and Sansa and Tyrion, right. and Bronn and Tyrion and the prostitute, yeah. and you know Jamie and Brienne in a boat just yelling at each other, right? Uh, Tyrion and Jorah in a boat yelling at each other, uh, Arya being confused about what's happening at at the temple. You know, um, there's right. just it's very slow and occasional. There's action, um, and that's actually getting back to Sopranos. One of the things I kind of liked about Sopranos was like. He could have the the writers could have easily just gone to like well let's give the audience what they want they constant want constant shootouts they want blood and guts they want assassinations right. they want you know uh, leave the cannoli uh, but what and going back to actually even Godfather as well there's actually not a lot of killing in right. in um, Sopranos and even in yeah, you have to have that build up that anticipation that stress right um, so another thing that I think season eight suffered from. Uh, because they focus too much on these epic episodes, was exaggeration. That's the word that really comes to my mind. Because like the Winterfell battle, mm-hmm. um, you by the end of that episode, if you would have asked me how many of the good guys are oh, right. are living, I would have been like two, twelve. <laughs> like, and most of them are named characters. Yeah, because 
There was no evidence of a maybe like two or three Dothraki. Yeah. Uh, unsullied. Maybe a handful. Well, a different question is, if if all the Dothraki didn't ride out, what where were the other Dothraki? What were they doing? Like right. But now, I'm not saying all, that was a good strategy. But, but they did all ride out. Was the thing like they're, they're so yeah so so they were writing this and directing it and and I think they wanted they blew their wad. You know they're like it's going to be epic. All the right. Dothraki are going to be wiped out. And they didn't think to themselves, this is going to make no sense when we show in, in episodes you know, uh, four, five, and six, especially six, when you see the whole Dothraki yeah. army and the whole uh, Unsullied, Unsullied, you're like, a shit ton of these fuckers survived yeah. Winterfell. May, were they maybe coming, they were held back in the Dragon Keep or? Be, uh, bef- they, meaning they didn't go to Winterfell? Yeah. I have a hard time believing that Daenerys right. left half her army. Well, unless it was like, well, someone's got to actually protect the the dragon. Okay. Well, if if that happened, they would have needed one line right. to clarify. <laughs> they that. should have explained it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the other thing is is uh, the you know the King's Landing battle. Uh, it looked like if you would have asked me after the Bells episode episode right. five, how much of the Red Keep is still standing at the end of that episode. I'd be like, uh, 10%, 10%. Yeah. And if you would have asked me, so the next ruler, will they be able to inhabit no. the, the Red Keep? Um, absolutely not. No. There, there's a, if you would have asked me, will you be able to dig out Jamie and Cersei's bodies no. um, in any, you know, will a, a dwarf be able to no. wander into the, you know, and, and pick two bricks off? <laughs> I would have been like, um, absolutely not. That entire... That the whole thing was collapsing. Yeah. That's why they couldn't move a, a few feet off to the side and avoid it. Right. And so they, <laughs> they exaggerated that. And then episode six, they exaggerated that... Because I think in episode six, they wanted to make this... Um, they, they wanted to make two beats, I think. One is, is obviously Danny being killed. Yeah. But also the other beat was like, everything just goes back to normal. Yeah. And I think the writers were like, well, we want the Red Keep to still be standing enough so that we can still have those scenes in the exact same rooms yeah. that were in season one, where you have... The so you sm- get that sense of like, oh, wait a minute. It's Not all the much same. has changed. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the throne room is still there. The throne is still right. there. Uh, the small council room is the same. The table's the same. The chairs are the same. Same concerns, same problems. Yeah, it's 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 the same. And yeah. uh, okay, great. You can't have both. You know what I mean? You can't right. have all the Dothraki get killed right. and the Dothraki also survive, again, unless you have a line that said, we left some Dothraki right. behind. There was another thing <clears throat> that, that was really weird, which was when John uh, kills Daenerys, th- th- from that moment... To the moment where Tyrion is standing sort of on trial in front of the half circle of people. How long do you think was supposed to have passed in the show? From the time that Jon kills Daenerys to the time where Tyrion is brought out by... They said they you know, said in the show it was weeks. So how is that possible? Because the the news of what happened... Would have had to travel north, hopefully via Raven or something. I don't know who sent the Raven. Who would send the Raven? But somehow the news traveled north. They would have had to react in like, oh, wow. 
That's terrible. We need to gather all our forces now, prepare to travel all the way south with all our forces, bring food, bring all the things. That's not a matter of weeks, man. That could take six months easily. Like, you know, we think nowadays like, oh, sure. But this is this is they had surrounded the city with all their northern forces. Right. So because David and David wanted to get past the fluff and yeah. get to, you know, the right. the main scenes. Um, you know, they fast forward. Now, what I will also say is, as a reader of the books, uh, more than once, I'm here to tell you that books, he's written five books. Books four and five are not very interesting. <laughs> There's some interesting beats, for sure. But it it... Book one, Game of Thrones, the, it's the, that's the first book in A Song of Ice and Fire, is a masterpiece. Book two, pretty good. Book three, okay. Book four and five. So George Martin starts to go in this direction with the series where um, it's not clear that how he's going to be able to wrap it up in two more books. It doesn't seem possible the way that he's actually writing it. Uh you know, think about he, so in the books we leave off with John dead. Mm-hmm. So from that, how would you write in two books the rest of the story? You know, everything that happened to us in the TV show for I think seasons six, seven, and eight. Yeah. Um, how do you write that in two books? There are a thousand pages each, <laughs> and he tends to focus on people who aren't really central to the story, like. Obviously, he talks. He has point of views of each chapter is a different point of view character. So you have Tyrion, just chapter, you know, whatever Tyrion, and then the whole chapter is just from Tyrion's perspective. You don't see anything that Tyrion doesn't see. The next chapter, Sansa. Next chapter, Arya. Is that the the whole series is like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's never it's never a god view, and, and it's told from their perspective. Yeah, but it's not it's not first person, but. It's it's kind of from oh, okay. So Sansa walked to the window and right. noticed that right. Okay, and the story and George Martin has even said this that the part of the uh, interpretation is that these narr- these um, point of views are not impartial. Mm-hmm. That people know things based on how they think they know them or it has been told mm-hmm. to them, but it might not be accurate. So there's there's no narrator that knows the truth. Mm. Everyone is just perceiving the world from their point of view. So there's certain things like prophecies or whatever that character could remember it wrong. Uh. You know, Cersei remembers this, the prophecy, da, 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 da. It's like, well, she could have mistaken the the prophecy. You don't, you don't know. And so there's no, there's no way to know really what's happening. And the show is different because you get the sense that there's a truth. Right. And, in the uh, books, so so people are like, ah, this is you know they got away. D and D got away from George Martin. I'm here to tell you, thank God they got away from George Martin. If he wrote, if if they made the TV show exactly like book four and five, we would have Catelyn. <laughs> Catelyn lives as a zombie, by right, the way. Right, right. So just take that in for a second. <laughs> Catelyn is wandering the wilderness. She has followers. She's Lady Stoneheart or something. And she's like getting revenge. Uh-huh. So just imagine, and she, you know, she looks like she died in a river and like, you know, 
partially rotted or something. Yeah. So imagine that one, okay? Now, also imagine that Sansa never actually makes it to Winterfell. She's still in the Vale, and okay. someone that looks like Sansa has been sold as Sansa to Ramsay. Oh, so we have a whole okay. we have all their character that no one cares about. Sansa <laughs> has basically dropped off the face of the earth. She's just by by the end of book five, she's just like she's in just like vale. a non entity. Okay, and we have this whole new cousin of Sansa who kind of looks like her. Um, and they they've deceived Ramsay into, into thinking, thinking it's Sansa. Then and you have like characters in Dorne. You have you know random Targaryens that are also being introduced that no one cares about. He like he's he's making the story wider and more about characters that I'm not interested in, like history. <laughs> yeah, like the way history. Kind like of when plays you read, it. you know, have you ever read like medieval history or something where? There's so much yeah. random stuff. <laughs> right. And that, and that brings us to, you know, Edward III and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so um, I, so one, you know, if, if you're, you got to give D&D props for actually making an entertaining show out of a story sure. that's actually not that entertaining, particularly toward the end of, of book four and five. And I, if things go according to trend, books six and seven are not going to be very interesting. He's, um, he's written five books? Yeah. Okay. Uh, two, he might not ever read, write those books. They're, they're, from the way he's talking, I think book six is almost done. But he's not that young, yeah. and it, he, he writes his books over the span of you know several years. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to actually care that much. So I don't know. There's just a lot of criticism, like, oh, they got away from George Martin. It's like, if you read the books, believe me, there's there's some really great things that they did by getting away from George Martin's writing. And I totally believe you there. What what I do think they miss in the process and they may not have had the source materials. So what could they do is uh, when you have a rich background of a whole book, then things feel more filled out. And, but even if they had the books though, I suspect they probably would have done something similar. Sure. Because yeah. they clearly, it was very clear that, it, you know, by the time they got away from the books after season five, they, if, I think it was season five by the end of the books. Anyway, whenever they got away from the books, they're like, we want to make this more of a conventional TV show mm-hmm. that only has, you know, that, that deals only with like 12 people instead of, 50 people. Yeah. So, you know, because up until that point, there's like 50 different characters that are, you know, all play a part in the story, maybe a hundred. And they're like, this is going to be so much easier to tell if we only have, you know, 10 to, you know, five to 10 characters that everyone cares about. And so they just started killing everyone off, you know, like when um, Cersei blows that entire, you know, church up. Um it's like, oh, okay. You don't have to include, you know, the the sparrow gone, yeah. Marjorie gone. Uh, you know, all those characters are just you don't have out to, of the picture. You don't have to think about how they fit into the story anymore. You know, anyway. So there's some other reasons why I think the internet hates the season eight. Um, I think that I've I've seen s- some interviews with D and D, and they will say things that don't help. Like I like I heard a rumor. I'm not quite sure if this was true, but people were saying on Reddit, like, 
Well, you know what D&D said? They said that um, Danny wouldn't have burned down King's Landing if John didn't reject her. Okay. You, you're like, they, apparently people think that they heard them saying that. That, that D- David and David said that? Yeah, said that okay. Danny only, essentially saying Danny only burned down King's Landing. Oh, I see. Because John rejected her. I see. Which, if, if that's the story they were telling, that's pretty dumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she gets dumped and she burns down a city. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that's what they said, but that's what people are saying. So I and think that, that would, I could see how that would be sexist in a way. Like, that would be that, that trope. Totally. Like, oh, yeah, you know, no, hell hath no fury. Don't you know that one? Right. Um, also, uh, let's see. By, by the way, that would be inconsistent directly with what they themselves do in the last episode. Because she explains in her own words, and this is what I was saying earlier, how they were very aware of the kinds of criticisms that would come up of that decision because they actually walk through them through the characters in the in the final episode. Right. Both Tyrion and Danny kind of give yeah. an account. I was actually wondering if those were pickups in the last week because they, right? they seemed, seemed too perfect. It seemed to address the criticism yeah. too well. Right. But it couldn't possibly I don't be. think it could have been. Yeah. But but we'll, it, we'll get in that. Yeah. So if you're if you're curious about what our analysis is of Danny's decision to burn down King's Landing, listen to the next episode where we do a deep dive on on Danny. Um, so yeah, okay. Let's just talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. Uh, if we have anything more to say, yeah. Uh, what did you like about season eight? All right. So I actually did like overall. Uh, f- from an epic sized scale, the battle in Winterfell. Yeah, there were complaints. I did not like the stupid Dothraki strategy. I did not like that not enough of the good guys died. <laughs> um, and I I agree that Arya's uh, Arya being the one to take down the Night King, although cool, I do agree that it wasn't fully earned. Um, like they, they didn't really prep that well enough. Um, and so, you know, so there's that, uh, that said the, that was a, a positive for me was how epic that, that episode was. Um, I also really liked the celebration kind of like, actually I liked the episode where before the battle, all the, the conversations between the characters and all that kind of bonding that happened. Around I really liked that. Yeah. I liked Arya getting a little bit of, a little bit, a little bit. And um, I also like the celebration after the battle, that scene where they're all in the Great Hall and they're drinking and stuff. And there was a lot of, you know, Daenerys kind of looking and sure there was a coffee cup, but who cares? I mean, I do care in the sense that I will say that that is indicative of the fact that they were under a time pressure in these last in this last season. Yeah. Um, So there's that. At the same time, it's like, isn't. They're a person in charge of kind of scanning the yeah. scene to make sure. Yeah. No, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it's another indication that they needed more time. <laughs> like yeah. in season in episode six, there were apparently some water bottles that you would you would have to freeze the frame and really zoom in okay. to see. Did you see? About, did you hear about that? I did not. When they're at that Lord Council at the okay. Dragon uh, Pit. Okay. They there's a there's a couple water like uh, okay. you know like disposable <laughs> water bottles that are but what I think 
what happened was it was hot because they're, I think they're in like Spain, they're in a hot climate. Yeah. And the actors are like in these very, very hot um, outfits. Suits, yeah. And if you've ever been a part of a production like this, there's a lot of sitting around, there's a lot of standing around. While lights are getting set up and cameras and you know reset right. and da da da, you could be like Sansa was probably sitting in that chair for you know on and off for like five hours, um, maybe over the span of a couple of days, and you need to you need, you need to hydrate yeah. and you can't have assistance running in every time, so you you know you hide the water bottle behind your foot or something yeah. and. There's a couple shots where you can kind of see. Oh, I think I did see a uh, one with Sam where there was like, yeah. a, okay. So it's not like some random grip just yeah. left his water. Yeah. It it was there because they were probably right. again. This is me as a as someone who understands how hard it is to make something. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, uh, I empathize for that kind of mistake. Right. You know, it's like I've I've made things with mistakes. I yeah. just think that that's a symptom, but that stuff didn't bother me because I first of all I never saw it while I was watching, so right. it wouldn't have bothered me. Right. And after and, the and fact, think about all the things you would catch in yeah. like all sorts of things. Absolutely, yeah. but so again to the things that I liked, um, I actually am very very unpopular in this opinion, uh, but I actually liked the the way they ended up. Uh, I think they went a little overboard with it, but I liked where Danny uh, ended up. And obviously, I don't like that she's a mass murderer. Uh, I just mean that I personally had issues with her character all along. I w- I always had a problem with her character, with Danny's character early on in the series, because I thought, man, she is so entitled, and she is so like uppity, and she is vicious, and so I kept thinking. Am I going to be forced to like her by the end of this thing? Just like, okay, I get it. I guess she's the... And I kept feeling that. So I actually really liked that it almost... It really made up for that whole time how I felt about right. it. Right. You know, so that, that... And plus it was consistent. She burnt people all the time. Right. We'll get into that yeah. in the okay. Danny episode. So, so I, I actually was on the rare side that that was a little excessive, maybe a little overboard, but it was fine. Um, I also didn't have a problem with the Jamie. I actually liked that they kept Jamie complex and not a little simplified Disney yeah. prince. I, I also liked how they died. A lot of people wanted a more epic death for Cersei. Right. And I'm like, talk about fan service. Yeah. She's not a warrior. Right. You know what I mean? She She's not going to... She's going to... Bam, bam, take down the dragon. Yeah, she, she's not going <laughs> to grab a sword like... The, the, you know, I guess a, a more fan servicey death would be if, as if Jamie stabbed her in the back, yeah, like he killed the Mad King. Um, well, because I, I certainly thought one way the thing could have gone is they they unfortunately still managed to uh, f- the dragon assault fails because they used the green fire or they used the stupid uh, super big arrows or whatever. Um, and Cersei basically is going to win this thing in the horriblest way possible. And then Arya. And well, no. And I was thinking Jamie was going to have to like make a decision, yeah. right? Right. So that would have yeah. been that would have been interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, it it wouldn't have fit the overall arc, which is Danny's rise to power right. and then John killing her. Yeah. Um, so that would have been that would have been an interesting story, yeah. and I thought that might actually happen too. But this wasn't a. But to, me, Cer- is, but to me, but to me, Cersei dying, I liked because 
one, because that's what the story was. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't sitting there going, so that's how Cersei dies. Like I was just going, whoa, she died. You know, right. I was just, oh my God, Jamie still loves her. That's, you know, that's interesting. And yeah. on to the next scene, yeah. you know, I'm not, I, I don't sit there and go like, I don't know if this scene. Right. You know? I also really liked two, two things about the when the hound and the uh, mountain square off. Yeah. I, I didn't particularly like that the hound had to go find the mountain to kill him because I felt like, well, anyways, I, I just felt like, well, if you're going to go down, why not just fight? And, and then if you run across the mountain, sure, try to kill him or whatever. But fine. Once they once that was going to happen, I really liked their battle. I thought their battle was yeah, freaking was, cool. Yeah, uh, there. It's hard to make a fight scene entertaining to me, right? And it's also hard to make a fight scene seem consistent with the characters' fighting styles. Uh-huh. But they really did. Yeah, with the two. And of them. It, you know, and his strength level is a little inconsistent because one minute he squashes someone's cranium with one shove, and the next minute he's trying to beat up his brother and failing to do so but well but his brother is it, tough in his it, own is ex- yeah. yeah i mean it, it, in the show they don't really emphasize how large the hound is mm-hmm. like the mountain is a is a you know very large strong yeah. person but the hound his it's brother huge. is you know almost yeah. as big and almost as strong yeah. in, in the books in the in the tv show he looks like he is large. The he hound, is. but he, the hound doesn't look that large. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then the other thing I loved about that whole uh, part was right before the battle, because you can you can see Cersei, like you can sense the level of stress she's yeah. under in that moment when she realizes she's about to die. Yeah, and so she just slinks away, and you're like, and you know, of course, you hate her character, but but you can relate to that fear she must be feeling yeah. for her life. And she just can't even look at them. She just like walks away as fast as she can. Right. I thought that was very, very well done. Uh, so there's a lot of details like that that I actually really did like. I, I thought the whole Varys thing was actually great. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't like that he died. I loved his character and all these things. But what else would happen? She's already burned people left and right. Why wouldn't she burn him for tr- betraying her? I kind of wish that that story, again, if they had more time, was a little bit more drawn out. Like. Yeah. Uh, you know, I could have seen a story where Varys is being, you know, real smart and sneaky, but somehow Danny is smarter, or, yeah. or even Tyrion is smarter and figures out. Wait, I think Varys is trying to poison her. Instead of just a scene where they all see him talking to John. Well, <laughs> uh, instead of a scene where um, uh, Varys just tells Tyrion, "I'm going to try to kill sure. Danny." Um, and instead, Tyrion like slowly figures it out. You know, that's the way the old yeah. the old seasons would have gone. But again, it would have taken too much time, I guess. Yeah. But well, th- there there is that, and also um, the, the the resolution of that was not the way I was expecting it. In that he gets burned alive because she he betrayed her, right? But Tyrion, in that moment, should know that. There's a at least a 50-50 chance that he just made a mistake, right? But he sort of doesn't put any plan in action to try to I, I don't think it's 50-50. I think Tyrion was very hopeful that and believed because he had seen her good side. He had seen Danny's good side, and I think that he was worried for sure, 
But I think he thought he could convince Danny. You know, I th- I think that was the whole. Th- I think that was one of the threads that they were trying to demonstrate through season eight was that Tyrion believes he can convince people of things. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But when you watch, look, he's followed the uh, the other guy had been her advisor and followed her for a long time now. And when you watch that instead of like a quick death, you know, like, fine, you betrayed me, you're dead, right? She has the dragon burn him alive. That, that I mean, that's a level of viciousness, you know? Right. And so for he's sure... He's in denial for sure, right? Well, I don't think so. So I, as I was watching the show, even with more information than Tyrion does, because I've seen... I've seen Daenerys across the narrow sea in in scenes and seasons yeah. that Tyrion has ever seen. I was I didn't know if you would have said, "Do you think do you think Daenerys is going to burn King's Landing?" I would have been like, "I don't know. I mean, I could I guess I could see maybe, but but I I don't think so. I why would she burn it if she manages to win? You know, if if you said so I, I wasn't well, but know. but this is where like the guy's supposed to be super smart, Tyrion, and it's not that Danny found out that someone was trying to sell secrets to Cersei or something. Danny found out that now people know that she's not the rightful heir. Number one, and number two, that they're afraid she's going to go crazy. And to demonstrate she's totally cool and balanced, she burns this guy alive with the dragon. That's not why she killed Varys. Well, she killed him because she betrayed her. Right. But she knows exactly why she and how she betrayed her. Yeah, so, but it, it doesn't matter to her. I mean, it matters to her kind of, but the main point was he was conspiring against her. No, no, no. That, that was the surf. That was the that was like the. The, the ripple on the on the on the surface because she knows now she even says it she's yeah. like now everyone knows right and this has caused the problem this is why she feels so alienated this is why she feels right. now the west is useless but to that's me. not why she killed virus no she- i i get that she executes him symbolically because hey you betrayed me i gotta execute you. no she there wasn't symbolic she killed him because it for if he, even if it had nothing to do with that let's just say virus had some other loyalty to some other random person. He was a trusted, very close, he was like basically second in line to the hand, and he committed absolute treason. And that's what kings and queens did back then. One, if there was a problem, you got killed. Now, you know, in a vicious way, that's... But that's the point. Like, so when when, uh, Ned Stark shows like, hey, you can't show mercy, sure, you behead the guy. It's terrible, but it's done, right? But think of the trauma... In those last two minutes of his life of seeing this gigantic head yeah. rear up and you know you're going to be burned alive and then you're burned alive. Yeah. And everyone's watching it. Yeah. So it shows right? us and a Tyrion that, uh, that Daenerys uh, has a dark, powerful, dominant, burn them all mentality right. up, as a part of her. But uh, I, to me, it, I don't think it was irrational for Tyrion to think that a, there was a possibility that they could overthrow Cersei and not have to burn King's Landing to the ground. Well, I mean, he clearly was worried about it, hence why he right. made a point of saying, if you hear the bells, you stop. Right. Right. So I don't, I don't think Tyrion was stupid to hope that that could happen. No, no, I don't think he was stupid to hope at all. I just think... I was surprised that that didn't give him more pause at that point. But what choice did he have at that point? 
Like, you know, what, is, what would he have done otherwise? What could he have done? Let's say he's like 70% sure she's, she's going to burn King's Landing. What does he do? Yeah, well, okay, so... Does he go for Cersei? Does he go hang out with Cersei and, like, let's get... No, 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 of course not, of course not. Um, so, I, I guess his his backup plan... I guess here's, here's the problem. He has no backup plan. There's nothing he can do. There's no one that can help. He can't go to Sansa. The Northmen can't stand up to, you know, Daenerys' powers. He has no choice. He the only the moral thing for him to do is to stay in the game and try to convince her to do the right thing. And when she doesn't, then he throws his handpin away. Yeah. I I get it. I just I would have felt in that moment that I made a mistake by turning him in. And then I would have probably... And he did. He, he partially, I think he... I, I think, think I would have probably it. then done the same thing that Varys was trying to do. <laughs> like, like if anything, it would have been a test. Like, fine, let's see how you handle this. <laughs> you know Interesting, what I mean? yeah. yeah. I mean, it might have been hard to pull off. Yeah. You know? and, and that's one thing that, again, I don't think they really showed us. But, well. And by the way, that's part... That's, that's in large part why... Well, anyways, it, it, we'll talk about it in the other episode. But but uh, other thing that I really liked to close that out was, um, because I'm not talking about all the things I didn't like. There were more things that I also didn't like. But one thing that I really did like was the uh, the resolution with, um, what's her name? Uh, Arya, right? I, I, was, I was saying earlier that like she was a very different character. I didn't like her character in season seven. I had... I had lost interest. I used to love, she used to be quite possibly my favorite character, maybe second favorite character. And then I totally got when she was going through the training, they were trying to make her hard. And then even though I th- I thought there was a chance that sh- the wave had killed her, <laughs> fine. But then when she took vengeance on the gray, on the grays, whatever. Awesome. But then season seven, she's like this little robato and she seems to have lost interest in mundane things. Things not to the brand level, and I didn't really like that. So in this season, I actually liked that they brought her back into the human fold, and she wasn't flawless. She wasn't an inescapable killer. She wasn't because uh, you know that's the one thing. Like these faceless people, they're sort of like they cannot fail, right? Like right. so they they made her a little more relatable. And I did like it was a little heartbreaking that she didn't end up with the one dude, but that would have been the Disney story. Right. I liked that she was like, you know what? I'm going to sail the world. Well, at that point, she didn't know what she was going to do. But I, again, no, I mean, in the very end, like when she's like, right, I'm sailing. But when she denied Gendry his yeah. proposal, I was wanting her to say yes. But yeah. when she said no, I was like, of course, because. Yeah. She's not a lady from the beginning. Right, right, right. From scene one, episode one, <laughs> she's not a lady. Right. And she's really not a lady now. Right. You know, like if she wasn't a lady at the age of six at the beginning of the books, then she's really not a lady now. There's another thing that I don't know how intentional it is, if it's just bad writing or if it's actually intentional, in which case I give them credit. Uh, people like to say, oh, you know, they threw away this character's arc, all these things. But I actually think this show had pretty flat character arcs, meaning the characters kind of stayed 
within what they are, which is very human and real. Right. In other words, that's why I argue, you know, like Danny was never not right. vicious. Mean, well, so right? we, we like, didn't listen to the Danny episode, but just a little synopsis or very brief summary is that, uh, especially in season seven and eight, they, by episode to episode, they tried to, particularly season eight, they tried to like make the pendulum swing really far, you know? Yeah. The bells, she's evil. Uh, and then beginning of of the finale, she's evil. But then she talks to John and she starts saying these nice things. You're like, oh, well, maybe she's maybe she's actually going to do good things, you know? And uh, but the if you look at it from a bird's eye view, the whole story of Daenerys, it's a very consistent. She's character. always like that. Yeah, Jorah, very consistent right. character. John. Very yeah, John is always like the reluctant. Like yeah. uh, things like, just happen to him, and then he kind of fights, and then <laughs> and, and he's from the beginning, season one, he's never really wanted to be a part right. of royalty or of the gentry class, right? Because of how much shit he he went through. You get a much clearer picture of that in the books about mm-hmm. as a bastard how much shit he went through. Mm. And when he was given a chance to go to the wall, he was like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, it's like, at least, you know, there's no, there's no like, pretense up there about... I forget why he originally gets sent to the wall. What was the deal? He didn't get sent. He, I think he volunteered. Oh, I think okay. he, like, became, if I remember right, I think he became of age. And his uncle, Benjen, was... Right, he there, had gone... Okay. And he loved his uncle, Benjen. And he's just like, ah, I, th- I think, you know, I'm a bastard. I, right. I can't... I, there's nothing I might as well go to the wall. Yeah, it's like, what else am I gonna do? Yeah. You know, and um, so he's he's never wanted. Not only has he not wanted to be king, but he didn't even want to be a part of a, the lords and all those people. Yeah. And so that again, very flat right. character. You know, and so I actually like that. I, I like that that that's humans. Humans don't actually go through all these, you know, epic arcs. Uh, they stay fairly consistent, yeah. which is sad, but. So other scenes that I liked from season eight, when Brienne became knighted, that that was a tearjerker for me. Um, did you like that scene? Yeah, totally. Um, when Arya killed the Night King, I was going crazy. It was like just an epic scene. Um, that I, one was a mix for me. It was epic, but I was also disappointed. I... Uh, was all in, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't see that one coming." Like, I, I just I wanted to see the Night King, uh, the the White Walkers fight. I wanted, you know, you know what would have made this all perfect for me is I needed like one episode, ideally more, but at least one episode where they showed the unstoppable force finally. Like, I, they showed us that one brief scene where they're they're going to investigate what happened to the one dudes, and then they show the, like, the upside-down crucified people and stuff like that, yeah. which is pretty creepy. But I actually wanted to see them roll through towns, and no one surviving, and no one surviving. It's just unstoppable. I wanted to feel that. And then, in the final thing, I wanted to see those Night Kings, fi- or the, the White Walkers, finally fighting, and some of them dying, and some of the zombies dying, and then one of the main guys gets stabbed, and they die. Like, I wanted more of that. Yeah. Before the final stab. Yeah, I I think I said this in another episode. I consider the battle at Winterfell to be about midway through the episode, and I remember even consciously thinking this, that it became more of like an impressionistic visual. Yeah. Like when John is at the very end, he's you know walking through Winterfell and he sees 
Brienne with like a, a gaggle of, of whites attacking. Right. And she's, ah, you see Sam, I think, fighting people yeah. off. He, you know, he's, he's seeing all these like stars of the show beating and everyone else is dead. And it's just like this wave upon wave of these undead creatures. And I remember in that, and there's dreamy kind of music playing and it's slow motion. And I remember just thinking like, oh, this isn't, I don't think we're supposed to take this literally. Yeah. <laughs> I think this might be like from John's perspective mm. in terms of like how he remembers it even. Sure. That if if you could actually put a video camera on his head, mm-hmm. it would have looked different. But that's how it felt to him. You know, that then that's how it feels to us. You know, it's over. Everyone's dead and everyone's about to die. Yeah. And there is no hope. And, you know, that... I remember thinking that. And so I think if you watch it from that perspective, I think it makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Um, other things that I liked were all the scenes with Tormund. Everything Tormund. <laughs> I mean, everything Tormund. Um, He's very funny. Uh, the tension of the battle at Winterfell was intense. I mean, you know, I don't... You could You could quibble about different scenes or choices that the writers make about the Winterfell battle, yeah. but you got to admit, man, that was a tense... It was tense. Well-directed. The whole season, it's got to be one of the best-directed, best-produced TV show season of all time. Like, there, the CGI. Yeah. There are so many ways to screw up a CGI dragon. Oh, totally. Or a, a CGI-enhanced battle scene. There's so many ways it could have been yeah, screwed yeah. up. And... It was seamless. I mean, there was... And it was... it was, And it was really... It felt epic, and it felt unstoppable. It felt... Uh, it, it, like, there was so many moments where you're... I think we talked about this, Riley. I think they might all die. Like, you know? Yeah. It felt really hopeless. Uh, I loved the scene where they all laugh at Sam suggesting a democracy. Yeah. I just, even Sansa laughs. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, yes... That's that's a George Martin thing. Yeah. Because through our 2019 eyes, we're like, oh, yeah, Democritus. When Samuel said that, I was like, huh, are they going to actually do this? Because right. that's very weird. And then everyone starts laughing, and even Sansa laughs. And I thought, yeah, of course. These are <laughs> ladies and lords who right. do not care about commoners. They They equate commoners with horses. You know, yeah. one guy's like, what am I going to let my horse vote? So I right. thought that was... And yet, uh, we see the beginnings of progress towards a, okay, well, can we at least kill the bloodline thing? Yeah. But, you know, you just know that's not going to help at all. You know what I mean? Well, especially... Because, well, like, the Roman Empire, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, and the, I guess it's only a matter of time before someone starts making a claim based on blood again. Right. Like, this guy's not really blah, blah, blah. Well, well, what they'll say is, my son happens to be the best choice. Yeah. You know, and then there'll be more wars. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I liked about it was that, in the end, the final scene, correct me if I'm wrong, is Tyrion talking with his people, and they're arguing about things. It's it's not the final scene. It's the final King's Landing scene, because the, the show oh, ends the with John, John walking yeah. into the... Yeah. So the final dialogue yeah. is... Tyrion just yeah. going back to the administrative bullshit. Same, same BS. Yeah. And everyone's fighting, and you know the Master of Coin is it's already corrupt. With, yeah, it's and it's already there's already yeah. problems. And I just loved that because yeah. 
I wanted, it's just a funny way of putting it, but I wanted to kind of stick it in the face of people who wanted a Disneyland ending. Sure. I was like, Game of Thrones is not going to end nice. I mean, like I said, I'm surprised that John lived, you know? Right. So it's actually close to what I thought was going to happen for a long time, except that I thought, and in a way, it is literally what happened because Tyrion is essentially in charge. But I so I but I thought he would literally be in charge, and but they would form sort of a like he'd be like, look, we got to have a council. Like, yes, fine, I'm I'm the king, but we need a council, and we got to stop fighting or something along those lines, you know. Um, so it kind of ended close to what I thought they were going to do. Hmm. I because, didn't know how I was. Gonna, I thought I thought. I even had money in Vegas on yeah. Daenerys being on the throne. <laughs> well, sure, but because the, I guess I thought the show is called Game of Thrones, so I thought well, and it, and it is based, you know, it's sort of like historically based. So there is this chance that the most powerful person wins the throne, like clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, th- I thought but- I, well, what I thought would happen by the by the end of like episode one. And they started sort of hinting at things that might happen. I was like, I bet you Danny will win. She'll be on the throne, but then somehow she'll die. Her and John will die, like maybe trying to save the world from some other thing. And then their kid will rule. Like in my head, I was thinking, if okay. they had sex, I thought they were going to sure, yeah. have a kid. Well, I, I, so I actually thought it was going to be a little different arc for her because I thought you know when she was in Marine or whatever, and she actually was happy, and she was like getting to like, she was getting to be a queen of people that loved her. You know, yeah. I thought what was going to happen is they were going to somehow beat the White Walkers, and if she survived, then all these things, she was going to be the ruler. But she was going to say, like, I don't want this. Like, I, these are not my people. I'm going back to Marine. I'm going back to Marine, and that's what's going to leave Tyrion in charge because oh. John would have been dead by then, in my mind, right? Oh yeah. But anyways, the the point is, I I, I always thought Tyrion would finish in, being in charge, and they would have like a little different system in place, and so I wasn't wrong on that account. I just didn't realize, of course, all the other stuff that was going to happen. So final word is that I guess I'm not uh, crazy or stupid or have no taste. Well, you are, but not because of this. <laughs> I, I just happen to like something for all the reasons. If you again, if you didn't like it, or even if you just you know somewhat didn't like it, um, I totally get it. it. There are things like I don't like uh, Avengers Winter Soldier or Captain America Winter Soldier. Everyone else loves. You're crazy and have no taste. Um, well, the the most stark one, uh, excuse the pun or play on words, is <laughs> I didn't like Roma. Everyone loved Roma. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's like a ninety-nine or a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Every, you know, all the Oscars, all my friends, everyone loved it. Uh, you loved it. Uh, my wife loved it, and I was like bored. <laughs> about the first twenty minutes, I was like, "Oh, interesting, kind of an art film. I like that." And then I, as, as after a while, I'm like. So when am I going to be interested in, in these characters? <laughs> it's so funny because when we did that episode, you had asked me to watch it. And so while I was watching, I'm like, oh, I could see why Kirk loves this. <laughs> and then when we came, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to really, really let him know that I really loved it because I want him to understand that I get why he likes it. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, I love that. And you're like, yeah, I hate it. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so, you know, it, if you hated Game of Thrones, believe me, I understand that my point of view and my 
preference or my take on a piece of art might not coincide with yours. And plenty of smart people, plenty of people who have read all the books, plenty of people who understand history, plenty of people who um, have been there from the beginning as you know, hipster people reading the books also hated season eight. I get that. Yeah. And I just want to live in a world where we can just say that. Like, I feel like I have to have two hours of a discussion to justify <laughs> why I like something. And I feel like that's, that's wrong. I feel like in today's world, I, I love the fact that we can all talk about these things and over the water cooler or on Twitter or whatever. I love that. But we got to be nicer to each other. <laughs> we got to be like, um, man, for me, I did not like season eight. Mm-hmm. The, for me... I wish the writing was different. Right. Instead of statements like, the writing was criminal. <laughs> you know, these are narcissistic statements. These are statements of like, my point of view is golden. And if you disagree, because a statement like, you know, what, what, was, what were the reviews? Um, it, you know, uh, uh, let me, let me, I've done stuff uh, like the, that. <laughs> the writing this season is simply inexcusable. Yeah. So a statement like that, I just have to say, is immature and narcissistic. Um, it's normal. I'm not saying it's pathological, but it implies through the you know mansplaining that you, any other point of view is wrong. The writing this season is inexcusable. Instead of, I did not like the writing this season, but I could see how maybe some people would. Or to my tastes, <laughs> this didn't go over well with me. That doesn't get clicks, right? That's not a hot take, as they call it. <laughs> and I just feel like we d- just need to calm down. Like, for me, I wouldn't say season eight was the best ever, and anyone who disagrees is an idiot, or this was the best writing in, in the entire world. I might say this is the best writing I've ever seen, because that's just my, that's putting my opinion on it. So we just have to be careful about that. And... And, you know, I said before that to the people that I've said I liked season eight, that's all I said. I didn't say it was the writing. All I said, they, you know, all I said was, oh, I kind of liked, you know, I kind of liked season eight. And they're like, what? How? How? You know, and now I'm in this position where I have to justify something I like. Now, I, <laughs> you know, why do you like the Chainsmokers? Right. Why do you like the Beatles? Um, that's a hard fucking question to answer. And very uncomfortable because there's no way I'm going to answer that in a way that's going to make you go, oh, okay, I am satisfied with that answer. Right. Especially if you come from a position like, how in the world could you possibly like that because the writing was inexcusable? You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you like to live in that world? I would love to live in that world. Really? But, I, but yes, but I because I've, I've admitted that in the past I've been guilty of the same kind of... Uh, but, and, and me too. I'm sure I have been too. But I will say I would also like to live in the world where winter finally did come. Because that was the other thing that I wish had happened. It's like winter was never that bad. You know what I mean? What? Like from the beginning of the show, winter was coming. It did come. Yeah, it snowed a bit. <laughs> but it's, but it, I think it's going to get worse. Well, I guess we didn't see how bad it could get. Yeah, so. you know, their seasons go real slow. So yeah. I think they were implying that King's Landing was going to be covered in snow in a couple of years. Yeah, I wish we would have gone to a little more wintry winter. <laughs> 
Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Uh-huh.